Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. All right, well... um. Before we do get started, I wanted to let you know that uh, I have a new book out. The title is Powerhouse Hard Breast. It's a continuation of the uh, series of superhero comedy novels I've been writing. And uh, this one is available on Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com, and uh, also for the Kindle. And as of right now, Scott Wilcox, our audio uh book uh, narrator is hard at work recording this and hopefully we'll have a audiobook version out sometime in august Uh, so i'm looking forward to that and uh, this week we have a couple of events going on Uh, we have uh, on friday for those of you in the boise idaho area i'll be doing a book signing at the hastings store at 7500 West Fairview, there's a KFC slash Long John Silver's out front, as well as a Wells Fargo Bank, and I'll be there from 4 to 9 Mountain Time. Also, if you can't quite make the drive to Boise, we have a virtual uh, book launch will be going on on Wednesday, so tomorrow, and we'll be there from 6.30 to 9 Mountain Time. All right, well, we're beginning a new radio series today. This one is called uh, Mr. Moto. Now, I played a Mr. Moto movie uh, for this month's video theater. Uh, and one, I think one of the better ones, Mr. Moto's Last Warning. Um, really, uh, the... Uh, Mr. Uh, the uh, Mr. Mono radio series is an entirely different incarnation. While the original um, Mr. Moto was uh, Japanese, uh, Mr. I.A. Moto, uh, the featured character in this series, uh, was Japanese-American, born in the United States. The series aired over the NBC radio network from... Uh, May uh, 1951 uh, to October 1951. So kind of followed uh, a similar length of uh, airing as uh, the big guy from a year before. NBC uh, radio series uh, with detective shows starting in the 1950s really did not have a lot of luck. Uh, the big exception of that was Mary Craig Confidential Investigator, which we played. So let's go ahead and take a listen to today's episode, A Force Called X-07. And this sounds like an audition uh, recording, kind of minimal on music and effects, but uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. Tonight's story, 
A force called XO7, starring Mr. Moto, Mr. I.A. Moto. I stood there in a room in Bellevue Hospital in New York beside the young doctor. We watched the patient on the bed with a sort of stunned, incredible horror. The woman's condition was so fantastic as to defy all... all reason. She had grown visibly smaller in the past quarter hour. Her body was not that of a woman, but of a child. The young doctor's fists were clenched around the foot of the iron hospital bed. Mr. Motor, this is unbelievable. Yes. I, I can't stand it. It's sickening. Yes. What's happened to her? What's caused this? A thousand apologies, doctor. But this is a secret which must be kept at all costs. The assignment on XO7 started with a personal phone call last Saturday. I had just completed a case in Cairo for U.S. intelligence and had returned to New York for a rest and a holiday. I wanted nothing so much as I wanted quiet. I was annoyed when my phone rang at ten in the evening. I was already in bed. Hello? Mr. Moto? Yes? Moto, it's Howard Carlton here. Why, Professor Carlton, I I've been in Europe and I've been meaning to call you ever since I returned, but... Moto, can I see you tonight? There's an entrance to Central Park at 50th. There's an entrance into Central Park at 5th Avenue and 90th Street. Can you be there in half an hour? You mean outside? In this weather? Please, Moto, I know what I'm doing. This is desperately urgent. Then, of course, I'll meet you anywhere you say. 5th Avenue and 90th Street, the entrance to the park, in half an hour. Right. Can't you give me any idea of what... Hello? Hello? Who is there can make muddy water clear? But if left alone, it will become clear of itself. Professor Howard Carlton was head of the physics department of one of the greatest universities in the world. I met him first in Hong Kong many years ago. And I think I can say we each treasured each other's friendship. I took a cab to Fifth Avenue and 90th Street. Drizzling rain made murky globs of the streetlights. At my right, stretched the park, barren, deserted, and so very dark. The occasional taxi hurried by, as if anxious to get away from the black wetness of the night. Suddenly, out of the mist, I recognized Howard Carlton's massive body. He was wearing a raincoat, and his hat was pulled down over his face. His walk suggested one thing. Fear. I say, Moto, this is awfully decent of you. Howard, what is this all about? Why must we meet outside in this wretched weather? Surely there must be... Wait. Well, what is it? I may have been followed. Let's go out into the park a bit. We can sit on one of the benches there. You are afraid, aren't you? Yes. Of what? Specifically, being murdered. Murdered? By whom? A man who's blackmailing me. Blackmailing you? Quite successfully. With what? Something I did once. Can we sit down here? Suppose you start at the beginning. Motor. What is it? 
I thought I saw someone. I, I'm afraid I'm in a complete funk. Have you ever heard of the Michelson-Mandy experiment? Never. Well, as, as you know, I'm not only head of the physics department at the university. I'm also in charge of the Manhattan Atomic Research Foundation. Yes. Some time ago, as you may have read in the papers, there was a 2,200-ton cosmotron completed at the Brookhaven National Laboratory. A two-billion-volt atom smasher. It spews out a beam of hydrogen atoms traveling at the speed of light. This beam is directed like a searchlight, so to speak, into the interiors of heavier atoms. The cosmotron at Brookhaven is, shall we say, the climax of man's struggle to harness the power of matter. We are here, perhaps, to discuss physics. I'm... I'm trying to say that we've invented a weapon. We? My assistant and I. At the foundation? Yes. An atomic weapon. Dr. Bradley, he's my assistant, started working with a degenerate form of radium known as Radium E some ten years ago. It was to be a cure for cancer. The Atomic Energy Commission realized it had other possibilities. Only Dr. Bradley and I worked on the final phase of it. Now we've finished. Go on. Well, the weapon... It's very simple. It's portable, light, and so deadly. It, it's like having a thousandth part of an atom bomb and a light bulb. Only George Bradley and I are in possession of the complete plans. And now I... I'm being blackmailed. For what? Twenty-seven years ago at Oxford University, I joined the Communist Party. I... I see. In those days, communism was rather fashionable. I talked the usual nonsense of an undergraduate, and, and then as one must, if one has any maturity at all, I grew out of it. I forgot it. I got into science. I also forgot something else. What? I forgot to resign from the party officially. A man named Sergei Beninkov threatens me with exposure. I am either to turn over the secret of XO7 to him. Meaning to Russia? Yes. Or? Or be exposed as a member of the English Communist Party. And is there any choice? My dear chap, of course there's no choice. I told the Lincoln to do as he liked, that I was going to the FBI. And? He's tried to kill me three times in the last 48 hours. I see. Now, there's, there's where you come in. I want to go to Washington. Exocision must be dealt with on the highest level. Your job's to see that I get to Washington alive. Nobody knows we met tonight. Get two tickets on a plane to Washington tomorrow afternoon. I shall call you in the morning from a police station somewhere. And now, for heaven's sake, give me a cigarette. Yes, of course. Here. Thanks. Isn't there some way we can do this without ruining your career? XO7 is more important than a career. Mine or anybody else's. Have you a match? I have a lighter somewhere. Yes, uh, here it is. Thanks. Howard. Howard, your hand. Put out that lighter. It's just the first finger. It was exposed to XO7 in an experiment. I shall have it amputated. The weapon is capable of... of that. My dear fellow, that's what I'm telling you. XO7 makes the atom bomb as obsolete as a sailing ship. That's why. Oh, I... Howard! From... Somewhere in the darkness of the park, a bullet brought instant death to one of the most brilliant minds of our generation. 
Howard Carlton fell forward to the wet, cold pavement. I took his right hand in mine and felt the tiny, hard, withered forefinger. The finger, not of a man, but of a baby. My first impulse was to call the police. Then, I thought better of it. Nothing could bring back the life. And there was too much at stake to risk publicity. I left my friend unattended in death and hurried home to my apartment. This is Mr. Moto calling Intelligence G2, and I want private line 825L4, please. Thank you. Hello, Captain Yates. I have some orders. Wire Washington and get me everything on a man named Sergei Velenkov. Right. Also do a fast routine check on a Dr. George Bradley who works at the Manhattan Atomic Research Foundation. Correct? I will be in your office tomorrow morning at 9.30. I would like this information to be there, too. Thank you, Captain Yates. Ah. Truly, the security of the state rests in the hearts of its citizens. The dossier on Valenkov was airmailed from Washington last night, Mr. Moto. Thank you, Captain Yates. George Bradley's file is negative. He was registered and fingerprinted when he started working with Professor Carlton. He's 38, a Ph.D. in physics, author of several papers on the treatment of cancer by radium and x-rays. His address? 8190 75th Street. I imagine he would be at home on Sunday morning, don't you? Want us to bring him in? No, no. Uh, Captain Yates, the window of a man's soul is clearest in his own house. I will go to him. Okay, have it your own way. Anything else for me to do? There may be. After I have a Sunday morning chat with Dr. Bradley. In his own house. Yes? Uh, you are Dr. Bradley? Yes. I am Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. Central Intelligence. May I have a moment of your time? Well, certainly. Come in. Thank you so much. Sit down, won't you? You are most kind. Ah, the crossword puzzle in the Times. A so, so stimulating pastime for agile brains. <laughs> Sometimes mine isn't agile enough. I've given up on this one. I am glad to see that you are neither rare like jade, nor common like stone. I shall trust you. I believe you work with Professor Howard Carlton. I do. Do you know that he is a communist? What? Yes. Well, you're joking. No, no. I don't believe it. Disbelieving the truth will not make it any less true, Dr. Bradley. I believe you have invented a weapon called XO-7. Do you mean he told you? Why is he out of his mind? My dear Dr. Bradley, I am working for U.S. intelligence. But XO-7 is absolutely top secret. I know that. Then why ask me? It is a weapon. The simplest and most deadly weapon man has ever found. And I hate it. Indeed? Why? Because I hate war. Ah, yes. Quite so. Tell me, have you ever heard of a man named Sergei Zelenkov? No. Why? He was blackmailing Professor Carlton. Why? He is blackmailing Professor Carlton. If you either meet or get a letter from a man of this name, you will get in touch with me at once. Certainly. Velenkov. Remember it. Yes, I will. Thank you so much for seeing me. Well, I'm afraid it hasn't been of much use, but you're welcome. 
Sometimes one allows oneself to do things purely because they are pleasant. Good morning, Dr. Bradley. Solankov. Solankov, you can come down now. He's gone? Yes, come downstairs. Most of the conversation I could hear. And it reassures me. I never met a communist yet who didn't have a blind spot. That little man is as dangerous as a cake of nitroglycerin. But George... Shut up, let me think. Yes. I'm sure he knows Carlton is dead. He said was blackmailing Professor Carlton. He said was, not is. He used the past tense. You're sure Carlton wasn't alone when you shot him? I was it. Then Moto was with him. To see was an impossibility. It was only since Carlton lit a cigarette I could shoot at all. Oh, he shouldn't have killed him. But Georgie, he with his own words told me he would report our little blackmail to the FBI. I could have done something, locked him up. But yes? The plans for X-07 are already on microfilm. Yes. Then have the operation now. This surgeon, can you trust him? Oh, he's high in the party. Well, that's no recommendation. So are you. Georgie, I will not allow you to insult. You do as you're told. You know why I'm doing this. I'm doing this to try to stop a war. Whether I'm right or wrong, you'll do things my way or not at all. Of course, Georgie. There is no need for the temper, the anger. Get your surgeon to come to the house tonight if he can. Unless you get out of America in 48 hours, you won't get out at all. What's this operation involve? It is of the most simplicity. The microfilm plans are placed in a sterile plastic capsule. Inside my body, the capsule is secreted. There is no danger. But there is also none of the ridiculousness of customs. One cannot, after all, declare an appendicitis. When will you be able to travel? In four days. Two days? No. Look, Valenkov, the American eagle may not be as bad-tempered as the Russian bear, but if you ruffle his feathers once too often, he'll claw your guts out and throw them in your face. The eagle's mad now, so don't take any chances. It's got to be two days. Today is Sunday. Now, on Tuesday night, you'll take off to Rio. Once in Rio, you can make your own plans for getting to Paris and then to East Berlin. Tuesday, I will still have the pain from the walking. Well, just be a big, brave communist and you'll manage. I intend to give New York a little demonstration of X-07 a couple of hours after you take off. It'll kill a few thousand people. But the rest will stop and think. Now get that surgeon over here to open up your fat belly. Sometimes I wonder, Georgie, if we are friends. Don't wonder anymore. We're not. Please, no hard work. Come and eat the chachi. I made it myself with wine. Come in. Mr. Moto, I didn't expect you back this morning. I have just been to Dr. Bradley's house, Captain Yates. Did the dossier on Valenkov arrive? Yeah, just after he left. Yes. Ah, thank you. Alexis Sergei Valenkov, born 1899, Magnitogorsk, Russia. Father Russian? Murray Gypsy. Wait. What? What? Of course, I should have known. Huh? Captain Yates, I want three men to guard Bradley's house on 75th Street 24 hours a day, beginning this moment. Mind telling me why? Let us say it is a suspicion of the Oriental mind. Nuts. You were born brought up in San Francisco. You're as American as I am, so don't try being Eastern mysterious. Not with me. The bluntness of the oak is more to be admired than the sharpness of the sickle. Meaning I'm down... No, no, my friend, not at all. I want guards... On Bradley's house for two reasons. One, I think he knows Carlton is dead. I made a remark to the effect that Carlton was being blackmailed. Bradley picked me up on the tenth. Is being blackmailed, he said. Since the Carlton murder has been kept absolutely secret, how would Dr. Bradley know? Hmm, that checks. What's the other reason? Chachi. Uh, again, please? Cabbage soup. Cabbage soup? When cabbage soup is made with sauterne, it becomes 
Chucky. It is practically a national dish where Valenkov was born. Magnitogorsk is famous for it. Like a circus for hot dogs. I smelled Chachi in Dr. Bradley's house. I suspect that Sergei Valenkov will be arriving soon for luncheon. And if he does? Arrest him. On what charge? With suspicion of murder. Anything else? Detain anyone entering or leaving the Bradley house. Bring them down here for questioning. Including Bradley? No, no. Let him go and come as he pleases. Right. That all? You will be so kind, Captain Yates, as to report to me at my apartment tomorrow at noon. Come in, Yates. The door is unlocked. Well, here I am, right on the dot of noon. Punctuality, Captain, is the virtue of the strong. Now, what about this surgeon? Well, he went to Bradley's house last night. He was in there almost two hours. Mm -hmm. We picked him up when he left. He seems to be on the level. Bradley has migraine headaches. Indeed. The funny thing is, the surgeon guy wants to go to jail. Why? I don't know. At first, he refused to come down for questioning. My man got a little uh, insistent. The surgeon took a swing at him. So we booked him now for assault and resisting a police officer in the line of duty. He doesn't want bail. He says he'll arrange for bail Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning? Yeah. I wonder why. Search me. Captain Yates, a man who will not fight injustice, is hiding guilt. Could be. Bradley went out this morning at 8 o'clock. He came back at a quarter of 11 carrying a large sack. You did not molest him. You said not to. You were right. Now, I must do some thinking. I would almost trade the honor of my ancestors to know what is going on in Bradley's house at this moment. George, will you stop working on that 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 thing? Shut up, Polenko. Sometimes I think you you have the insanity. Think what you like. But why don't they know about the Carlton murder at the foundation? You go down this morning, you 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 bring home this 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 machine of hell, and no one says says nothing. I invented it. Remember? There, ready. Plug it in and switch it on. Will you stop? I have the agony, the pain. The wound will never heal enough for travel tomorrow night. They want the seven stitches. I tell you, I... You'll be all right. You're crazy. Crazy! No. No, I'm not. It will kill several thousand people with this machine tomorrow night, but I'm not crazy. I'll be shot, electrocuted, maybe even lynched. But I'll teach the world a lesson it'll, it'll never forget. Anyway, you don't need to worry. You'll be on a plane halfway to Rio. Who is it? Yay! Let me in, quick. This case is crazy. Crazy. Valinkoff came out of Bradley's house an hour ago. He must have been there all the time. I followed him to LaGuardia, nabbed him on the Air France reservation desk. He pulled a gun on me and I socked him. In the stomach. It makes me sick thinking about it. My fist darn near went... He had some sort of operation. We got an ambulance, came back to town on the East River Drive. When we passed 75th Street, where Bradley's house is, Valinkoff went nuts. Started babbling about a machine, XO something. Go on. Go on. Well, he died of fright. Why in the ambulance he died of fright? I am a fool. I am an idiot son of a thousand idiots. You will drive me at once to Bradley's house. Listen, Mr. Moore. No, no, I... you will listen. XO7 is a weapon. The deadliest weapon man has ever known. In the name of 10,000 heavens, don't stand there gaping at me. We haven't a moment to lose. This must be done quietly. 
I will go in alone to Bradley's house. You, in the meantime, will follow certain directions to the letter. Am I to understand, Mr. Moto, that you have deliberately walked into the mouth of the dragon? Yes. Why? Because I know what you are going to do. Don't move. XO7 is rather flexible. It can be made as directional as a searchlight. The meson beam is pointed straight at your body. All I have to do is flick this switch. And to get out of the way, you would have to move with the speed of light. I have no intention of moving, Dr. Bradley. You mystify me, Mr. Motor. You ring my doorbell and announce with that inscrutable oriental calm that you want to watch the test. How did you know there was to be a test? If you don't keep your hands on your knees where I can see them, I'll kill you. You don't seem to understand what this is. This is XO7. Small, portable, simple. This is the filament. Radium E. Heavy hydrogen in the cathode is in this tube here. The Nissan beep is very weak, but it can split the hydrogen atom. Meaning? Why do you keep looking at your watch? Are the police waiting outside? Do you think they can rush in with guns and stop me? I realize now that they cannot. Then relax, but keep your hands on your knees. The mouth of the tube is now pointing straight down through Mrs. Hanley's apartment. It, uh, takes a moment to warm up. Bradley, in the name of heaven! Exactly, in the name of heaven. Mr. Moto, when a human being is sprayed with my invisible methane beam, the water in the body is broken up. A proton in the hydrogen atom is shot free of its nucleus. The water in the body becomes oxygen and hydrogen atoms. You evaporate, you shrivel, you dry up. You become a shriveled, hard, dry little calcium doll about three feet long. A death ray. The dream of inventors for centuries. I will give it to America. The link up has taken it to Russia tonight. As a lesson, I shall exterminate a few thousand people. Everyone within a radius of a mile, to be precise. And bricks and steels are no protection. Twenty feet of lead is the only thing that will stop it. Poor Mrs. Hanley. Mrs. Hanley? She sleeps directly under where I'm standing. She was a rather nice woman. Dr. Bradley, I am... No. Told you I... War needs to be brought home to us here. So a few thousand die, perhaps millions will be saved. I think Russia will be afraid to start anything, too. The tube is hot now. I'm going to start moving it slowly from side to side. You'd better stand over in that corner. The light! The power! Somebody's turned off the power! I must ask that you keep quite, quite still, Dr. Bradley. Well, Mr. Moto, that wraps it up. Bradley will be tried for the murder of Mrs. Hanley. And he'll fry. Just the same, Captain Yates. He had quite an idea. An idea you frustrated by obeying my instructions to have the power company cut off electric service to all of Eastside Manhattan. Hmm. Bradley was not. No, Captain Yates. He had an ideal. Warped, perhaps, but of some merit. And he really didn't give the secret of XO7 to Russia. Thanks to us getting the link. No. Bradley couldn't really be a traitor. He only wanted us to believe Russia had it, hoping our fear would make us more careful. 
I examined the microfilm which the coroner removed from the length of body. It was overexposed. It was completely useless. You have just heard the world's greatest international detective philosopher, Mr. I.A. Moto, in A Force Called X-07. James Monk starred as Mr. Moto. The script was written and directed by Harry W. Junkin. Others in the cast were Peter Capel, John Larkin, Gavin Gordon, and Scott Tennyson. The music was transcribed. This is Fred Collins speaking, and here with a preview of next week's story is Mr. Moto. Yutsi has written, He who renounces fame has no sorrow. Next week, a story that proves the words of the sage. A story of fame and tragedy concerning a flight from Istanbul. And now, may I wish you a good night, blessed with sleep, charmed with contentment. Welcome back. A kind of odd episode. I have to admit that... uh, when I first listened to this, I was very uncertain about playing Mr. Moto on the show because it's borderline, you know, in terms of uh, mystery uh, detective value. And then you have such an odd first case with, you know, almost a science fiction flair. But it definitely gives you some insight into some of the real uh, concerns that um, people faced. Uh, you know, they were worried about all of these uh, new weapons, all of these amazing ways we had invented to uh, kill each other over the years, and what the future might hold. In some ways, this uh, characterization really reminded me a little bit more of uh, Charlie Chan than it did of uh, Peter Lorre's Mr. Moto. But uh, despite the philosophical element, some of the later episodes don't quite have the um, uh, don't quite have the uh, same sort of uh, treatment. It becomes a little more subdued as the episodes go on. So I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of Mr. Moto. We'll be back with another one next week. And now we have some listener comments and feedback. Randa comments uh, that this is the f- her first time with our radio station listening, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I guess that that'll do it for today. We will be back tomorrow. We continue the Cronin uh, matter, and then we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Mister Moto. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box Thirteen at GreatDetectives.net. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.